According to Barna, 51% of all church-going Americans are unfamiliar with the term, the Great Commission. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm good. It's good to be here again. That's awesome. Can't wait for today's mm-hmm. podcast. We have a great conversation with my friend, Pastor Danny Green of College Station, Texas. Skybreak yeah. Church, great church, great pastor. He's been doing this for, for a number of years. He's got an amazing father's heart and uh, can't wait to share this conversation with all of you. But before we get to that, I'd like to ask you a question. I mean, you've been involved in leadership in church world for a number of years now. And mm-hmm. And in church world, it's so easy to get stuck into the week-to-week routine. I mean, every single week, we've got another service coming, another service coming, and we get into this routine where we're just working from week to week, and we get stale. So what what have you noticed it takes to avoid becoming stale and and focus just week to week and miss the big picture? For sure. I think every week you have to make an intentional decision to focus on the wins and the small things that are happening. If you don't focus on that, you're going to feel like you're stagnant and, and nothing's really working and right. all the effort you put in just goes into nothing. The other thing is that you really got to free up the people who are the visionaries to be visionaries and let right. them lead and not row. Right. And that's so true. That's so good. And Pastor Danny addresses this issue and more uh, but he talks about this whole idea of really it takes a leader that purposefully pushing the vision yes. and really having to steer the ship outward. The natural drift of every local church is to become insider focused because we get into this routine. Yep. It's so it's easy, easy for us to do. And so it takes uh, a leader uh, intentionally steering the ship outward. And so it, it it is something that he talks about, shares us. How, shares with us how to do that and how as leaders we need to do that. So he, without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Danny Green of Skybreak Church in College Station, Texas. Well, hey, Pastor Danny, welcome to GoCast. It's so great to have you on the program, my friend. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. It's an honor. It's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started in, in ministry and uh, a little bit of your journey. So, Kelly, I grew up in church and we were in children's ministry at the church we attended back in the day in the 60s when we did bus. Uh, we, we bust in children. We had like five or six hundred kids a week. We would bus in and all that. Wow. When I was 12, my dad was sent out to the north uh, part of Houston, which is where we, we live the extreme north side of Houston, and he planted a church. So at 12 years old, I went into a church plant with dad and watched all that happen. Yeah. And uh, during that process, at age 15, is when I felt called to the ministry. I, I, I've been entrepreneurial my whole life and thought I was going to go into business. Uh, that was what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, God had a, another plan. So so I preached my first revival meeting at the age of 17 years Wow. Old. That's how that, that all started. <laughs> that is awesome. That is that is so good. That's that's powerful. So talk to us about your your church now, Skybreak Church in College Station, Texas, um, Hookham Homes, I'm sure. Um, so from from the humble beginnings of where it is, uh, where it began to where it is now. Well, I appreciate you asking about that. It's interesting that uh, the place I preached my first revival, which was Bryan College Station. 
nine years later, God would call me back to this city to plant a church. Wow. Uh, that was, I didn't orchestrate that. It's just the way it happened. And so it was in May of 1987 that we came to College Station, Janet and I, and uh, we had a, our oldest son was three years old, our only son at the time. Uh, we had everything we owned in the back of a truck and uh, $800 in the bank, and we rolled into town, and that was our strategy to start a church. We didn't, uh, I didn't have a team, I didn't have a plan, I just knew God had called me to College Station to build a church, and so we just started renting a building and had a church, and that's kind of how we how we got started, got started. Wow, that's really cool. So talk to us about the, the church now. So I mean, you start planted in 1987. So I mean, this is this is a, a large uh, church, and man, it's it. You're, you guys are moving and shaking. Well, Kelly, it was. Uh, I was in the denomination. I think this is important. Right? I was in the denomination for the first eight years we were here. And yeah, uh, I thank God for my heritage and what I learned and grew. From, you know, and learned in that. But I knew we were about 100 people. We were eight years old. I'm like, there's more. There's more. There's something else that was in me. And so I kindly uh, walked away from that. With, you know, not, I didn't have any cause or reason. I just felt like I, God had a new journey for us. And uh, boy, did he. We began to meet some people, get connected with people. And, uh, you know, I, I won't call a lot of names, but God began to connect us with the right people. You know, I realized there was a bigger world out there than what I was a exposed to uh, prior to that yeah and uh, we just uh, started over basically again you know after eight years uh, some of those people didn't stay with us some of those original hundred people and then like, what are you doing you know but, but uh, from that journey on the church began to grow i mean not just by handfuls but it seems like uh, it was just amazing i mean so now uh multiple services on the weekend hundreds of people come and uh we, we did build a new facility five years ago, which was really a blessing to us. Yeah. And it, it allowed us to, to streamline a little bit. We actually now just do two services on Sunday morning. So that makes it a lot better. Yeah. Me anyway. Felt like a but um, for many years, did three services, a couple locations and all that. Now we're all in one spot here. But it's really, it's really rewarding, Kelly, now to see what God is doing, black, white, Asian, Rich, poor, uh, you know, philanthropists, single moms, they're all sitting together in one auditorium worshiping God and uh, to all ages. And we're in a college town, of course. And so uh, I'm, I'm very humbled and very grateful. That is very cool. Well, I, I love uh, a quote that I saw on your website. It says, uh, shoes, shirt and imperfections required. Man, I, I, I love that. So talk to us about, about that and your passion to reach people where they are at. Kelly, uh, we sort of adopted, I don't know where it came from or where I heard it, or but we, we just adopted a kind of an under, uh, it's, it's not written anywhere, but we, we say people belong before they believe or behave. I just got to realizing that everybody belongs. Uh, everybody is God's children. I don't care what gender they are. I don't care what their back is. I don't, none of that. What they're doing or not doing, God created every one of them. And so we so like, good. we're like, you're welcome. Come. And and it's it's created some some opportunities and some challenges, you know, where because when you when you open the door for anybody to come, then it, then anybody comes and and they bring with them their their lifestyle. They bring with them their issues. And then, you know, you got people looking down the row and seeing things going on and it's not normal. It's in church, you know, and I'm like, I've met with these folks, you know, and I've said, look, uh, we want people to have an opportunity to meet Jesus and where else are they going to meet them? 
where are they going to meet him except here? Yeah. I mean, you could tell him about tell them about Jesus wherever. I get that, but I mean, they're coming. So, so I think we've really crossed a few hurdles, and people realize that everybody's welcome, and we want we want everybody to feel safe. I want people to feel safe in church. So we don't use the platform or the pulpit to bash people. And, you know, some people say, well, man, you ought to get preach against all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, I, I teach truth. Absolutely. I get that. But but sometimes if you do that, you only have one shot to even love on those people. And you get up and, and ridicule or be hard with, without a loving heart. And then they're out the door and they'll never be back. Yeah, so and true. And I'm like, I, and I get it. That you can't water down truth. I get that. I'm not saying to do that, but I think you you got to be very strategic. And I, I like what Chris Hodges says that the church, the church on the weekend is the showroom. We we've got we've got a mechanic shop going on in the back back here. We'll, yeah. we'll fix all that stuff at some other place. But when but this is the showroom out here. So we want Sunday to be loving and embracing and gathering and you know un, unchurched focused. And so that's uh, that's I, I would say that's probably. What I mean most by the imperfections, um, and, and it's been in my heart my whole life that passion for unchurched people. You know, and that is so good. That's so good. I I love that, and it really is. I mean, having a focus for unchurched people really is. Uh, it, it gets messy sometimes. It's it's messy church, but but we, I mean we're it's following the model of Jesus. Jesus went where the religious would not, and he he talked to who the religious would not, and he seemed to reach out to to those and. And I, I love that, and, and I love that or that heart in your service as well. I, I read a story uh, not that long ago about uh, Gandhi and how he approached a, a church. He was looking for, for Jesus. He had been reading the Bible, searching this, and he actually uh, attended a church or tried to attend a church in South Africa. And because of how he looked and because he wasn't white, um, they they actually chased him away. They said, you know, no Kaffirs here. He wasn't dressed properly. He wasn't the right color. They chased him away. And he later said the quote, you know, he says, you're Christ I like, but it's your Christians I can't stand. And went on to create, you know, what we now, you know, as as Hinduism and all of that. And imagine if he had, if, if the pastors there and the people there had the heart like you had. Uh, I heard a similar story about Muhammad with, you know, founding, before he founded Islam, tried to was a Christian and and got chastised at church and became so angry and bitter that he started to write the Quran uh, out of that. And so, man, it's something that happens when we, it does get messy, but when we start reaching out to the lost and the hurting and that showroom versus the the mechanic shop, man, we're not ignoring the mechanic shop, but we, we got we to gotta give them the hope that is Jesus first. I, I love that. So, I mean, but that takes intentional outsider focus and that that means training your people as as well because we can have all the intentions as a pastor and preach it from the pulpit but but it's it's maintaining that intentional outsider focused in the church so talk about talk to us about that and and some of the ways that you keep you know your church outsider focused in reaching the lost yeah boy it's it's really that's an ongoing thing uh, Kelly, you got to keep doing that to keep people uh, not self-centered but other-centered. Uh, I would say that keeping the messages relevant. I, I really tell the guys on our stage we talk about language all the time. Don't get caught in church language or insider language. Think about people sitting out there that may maybe have never been to church or don't know much about it or had a bad experience. Just be normal. Just be. 
what I mean, say normal, talk in a normal voice and, and say things that matter to everybody, you yeah. know, that relate to everybody. And so, and say things that are helpful. Sometimes we get on tangents and then it's not helpful. And yeah. so those are words that we really um, try to keep focused on. We, we want to be, we want to be a place, as I mentioned a while ago, this is really huge for me that everybody feels safe. They feel they can come here and, and be welcomed and, so that's that's the probably as key a, of a focus as I could talk about. Uh, we guard our culture very diligently, and if something's not, if we see it, it's not our culture. We've learned to address it right then, you know, which is which is part of the things we're talking about. Yeah, our language, uh, make sure that people, uh, what people see and hear, we 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 analyze that. We go back through it again, you know, following up. How did that happen on? Well, if there's something on stage that goes on and I'm like not preaching that day, but I'm watching the old service or I'm here on the front row, I'm taking notes because how, how do we get better? You know, uh, make sure that what we say includes everybody. And, and and then I think what's important, too, is when people walk into the church, they look around and they, they try to identify, is there somebody here that looks like me? Right, right. And so we got guys in, in suits and ties and we got cowboy boots and we've got, you know, hoodies. And we I mean, I want people to see somebody that looks like them uh, and so i think that's very important we, we try to do that on our stage we try to have you know the stage we, we want contemporary but people need to look up there and see somebody that oh, oh they're like me then they feel like they're in the right place right, right right that's really good now when you talk about guarding your culture do you train you know i mean you, you're, you're talking about training that on stage but do you train uh, your host teams your ushers your greeters as well in language that they use and and how they treat people we we absolutely try to do that. We we try to you know break that down and ha- make sure people are saying in the right way, especially if it's a uh, when we're training new people. Here's what we say. Here's what we don't say. I I, I know that there's a, a vision drift, mission drift. When you you know when I'm not the one saying it to everybody, so it, it kind of filters down. And we we talk about that often as well. Right, right, know? right. Let's. Don't vary from what we say and what we don't say. Make sure we all treat people the same way so that what we say on our website, they actually hear when they walk in the door kind of right. thing. Uh, because so, yes, we do that. I, I would say we need to do a better job of that. That's why I'm, you know, when we're walking around or one of our leaders are walking around, they see something or how someone's handling a situation and it's not the culture we want. Then we immediately, when that's, you know, when we can, look, let me talk about that. Let's change that. Let's do it this way because we we try to keep it very clear, very easy for people to understand. Uh, and I hope I'm answering your question, but that's, yeah. No, that, that's really good. We've, we've found, and I'm sure you find the same thing that, that, you, I mean, you got, you get people that come into the church from, from other churches or from, from a different church background and they have an expectation and that, and they try to bring in the behaviors that they've grown up with or have been, have learned. And it's, it's insider focused type language or it treatment or how, how they do things. And so it, I think that's really good to guard that culture and, and to pay attention to that and to watch and to correct it if something is off. Well, one of our statements is we are the church and we're here for the world. The church doesn't exist for us. We're the church and we exist for the unchurched. Yeah, the world. that's good. And that's really been a shift from, from most traditional churches because the churches are typically their little family and a newcomer comes in and they're the outsider and they don't know how to get into the into the group and then they never come back, right? right. 
And so we're trying to totally shift that. Like, no, no, no. We want outsiders to feel like, wow, you mean we laughed in church or they had a, something fun or something that wasn't that was non-religious that they did or and then yet but there's truth and there's love and there's worship and when the power of god is there i mean nothing replaces the god factor right. god shows up and people are like what is that you know uh and we don't want it to be weird yeah you know that could happen too and we try not i'm like no i don't want any weird stuff going on in here i don't want uh and well i hate to we had something recently a few months ago there was someone in they were new to our church, and I kept noticing their, their behavior, and they were coming down to the front. And, but it was more about them getting attention for themselves. They were they became more distracted, right? And and it really wasn't about worship. And so, I finally we had to have a little conversation. Like, look, why are you coming down there? It's, it's fine to come to the front and worship, and but but it's like you're the only one, and it seems to be like you know people you're you're distracting people. Can we talk about that? Well, then you know they didn't hang around very long, and, and I hate that. <laughs> But no, but that, that's an that's an important point, though. That's a really important point because I mean, you you address that, and I, I've I've found that too, and we've addressed it as well. But what I I've discovered is that it's it, people are weird. The Holy Spirit's not, <laughs> right? And but when you address that and saying, yeah, that that person walks away and they could leave the church. But if you don't address that, there could be there could be a, a handful or or more of the unchurched or the lost that would leave or. Or not, not ever come to Jesus because they got distracted because of somebody's behavior. Yeah, they're not hearing anything else that's going on because they're watching this person down front. Like, what are they doing? Who is that? And they miss everything else. So, I'm always willing to risk that. Uh, and I give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, we let this go on for weeks before I, um, several weeks, I should say, and yeah. uh, it didn't get better. It got worse. So we, we so yeah, I, we don't want weird, weird. We want worship, and we want you know honesty and yeah. safety, and so. And I like that word distraction as well, because a lot of people, um, you know, when you talk about Holy Spirit, oh, you're limiting the Holy Spirit, or you're not allowing him to move it or in some way. But no, if the Holy Spirit is moving, it's not distracting. It's impacting everybody. It's it's impacting people. When it becomes distracting, it's usually because it's more human-focused than it is God-focused. So that's a really good word. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, so talk to us about what's what's been your most effective strategy as a church for winning souls. This is going to sound too simplistic because we've done probably as many things as anyone else has done, from door hangers to television to mailers to friend days to barbecues after church to radio, television, yard signs, I mean, on and on and on and on. Well, you know, hands down, the best, evangelism tool is a person inviting a friend to church. Wow. Yeah. Because it is stated time and again, 93% of the people say that if someone they knew invited them to church, they'd probably come. Wow. 93%. You don't have to, you, you don't have to build relational capacity. You're not cold calling, like knocking on a door. It's not when they come with a friend, they already have a connection. They don't feel alone. The number one way to grow the church is get the people just to invite their families and friends to come to church. Right. Uh, now, are we doing it the best we can? No, we're not. I mean, people get lazy. I get lazy. We have to remind ourselves. We have to go back to that again and again. But so you, do you, te- you teach them how to invite? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, here's what I say. We don't have a seminar that teaches people how to invite people. Yeah. No. But here's what I say over and over again. 
when you invite somebody to church, just tell your story. Don't think you have to know scriptures in the Bible, where they are. Don't even act like you are a theologian. Stay away from all that. Just tell them your story. So good. You know your story and you know what God's done in your life. And so I try to do that often. Uh, and, and so small groups is, of course, another way that we really invite people. That's where relationships are built. So a lot of people come to a small group before they'll come to church, right? Uh, at, you know, you're on the job and you're at lunch and you ha- host a small group like, like we do several times a year. People will set in on that. And before long, you know, maybe they'll say, well, hey, where is this church? And then they'll come. But it's about relational capacity rather than I saw it on TV and I came. And that, that happened. But usually it's a multiplicity of things like they saw us on TV, then they knew a friend at work and then something, a door hanger hit their door. And then they're like, I think I'm going to go to that church. Yeah, yeah. But the number one thing is, is a friend. Uh, and, and I would say, too, one of the things, boy, this may, may sound like you don't need to say it, but I, I, I think it's important. When our church was small and we didn't have a lot of new people, I didn't get very many salvation calls. And I got really convicted about that. This would be years ago when we were really small because I'm like, well, I know everybody here, and which is a problem, right? And I think you mentioned this in some of our conversations we've had about people getting saved, about newcomers coming to, to churches. But I just said, we're going to start. And I made it. I remember the, it was one weekend to the next. I said, every single service we have, I don't care if you know everybody that's there or not. And, of course, we're larger now, so we don't know who's here. Yeah. We are going to give a heartfelt salvation call. We're going to take three to five minutes and we're going to invite people to come to Jesus and, and begin a journey with him. Every single service that we have, no matter what it is. And I will tell you that that has been very effective because when you give people a chance to get saved, they will. Well, I think the two the two things come go hand in hand. They don't they? I mean, you you uh, you give a a weekly and every single service, an opportunity for salvation and people will get saved. But the other thing it does is it gives your, it gives confidence to your people to now invite because they know, Hey, I can invite my friend to church and pastor is going to give an opportunity for them to, to get saved every single Sunday. And I don't have to guess which is evangelism Sunday and which is what, when it's going to happen or what's going to go on. I know every, if I can invite my friend, my coworker, you know, my neighbor, and they're going to come. If they come, they're going to have an opportunity for salvation. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And and then we've learned, too, another part of our strategy is the clear pathway into the church, Kelly, that people have a pathway into the church. So they get saved. Well, then what's next? Right. Uh, you, you want them if they don't have a pathway. And so we've done, you know, we've, I mean, for 20 years, we've had some sort of pathway. And uh, whatever you call it, you know, from new beginnings to make it your church, to starting point or whatever, but have something that's simple, easy, clear. Uh, and so now we, you know, we've done, and we, we continue to work on that as well. So give a salvation call and then have a clear path into the church. But having your people invite friends is a number one strategy among anything else we've ever done to reach people. I think that's fantastic. I, I mean, there's three really key points there that I think all of our listeners need to really pay attention to. And I would say this is a great starting point for pastors and leaders is, man, start by giving a salvation call every single service, regardless of what you preach. Um, give a salvation opportunity for salvation. Really talk about invites and and encourage your people to invite. One of the things that we do 
is once a year, we'll survey our congregation on the invite and we'll ask them, hey, have you invited and how many are inviting and how many did you invite? And do you feel comfortable to invite? Because we want to know that's that's our key strategy as well. And last year we had 78% of our people had invited at least one person uh, to, to church in the last year. Well, that, that makes a big difference. And then we know if that number flexes one way or another, we know, are we are we building a service and a church that's conducive to people inviting? Or are, is there a reason why our people are hesitant to invite? Because the invite is really going to be the, the big key. So that's really key. And then the clear next step into the church. Because you can, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world and make converts. So, I mean, we want to get them into the church. So that's really good. So let's, how many salvations or baptisms did Skybreak have last year? So, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, and no pastor, at least me, I'm never satisfied with these numbers, but every number does represent a person that all the angels absolutely it over, right? So, so in 2018, we had 1,473 salvations that we were able to document. Wow. Now, that was, that was people that uh, actually filled out a connect card and went to, you know, to someone, in other words, what, the way we do our salvation card, yeah, yeah. what we do afterward. Now, there may have been people that got saved that didn't fill out a card or didn't stop at the VIP desk or whatever. That could have happened. These are 1,473 people last year uh, that actually did. Now, in the, so far this year, we've seen 694. So our numbers, uh, to me, are close. It looks like we're about to track like where we were last year. You know, we've we still got a few months to go right, right. Uh, this year. So, um but that, that's the benefit of tracking the numbers, though, because, I mean, if something if you don't track those numbers, then you, you're not going to have the conversation with your team about, hey, are we on mission? Are we not on mission? But I mean, that's still I mean, those are those are big numbers. I'm very grateful. Like you say, if one person gets saved, it is worth every effort because <laughs> if I was that person or if it was my dad or my 11 year old grandson or whatever. Wow, that is a huge day for that person. And that's so family. true. So. Uh, now, where we are really wanting to and trying to get better at is from salvations to baptisms. So in, in 2018, we had 136 water baptisms. And so I'm like, man, that's only like that. That's not where we need to be. So I'm just being really honest. Yeah. Here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, today. Uh, and we've tried different things on water baptism. We've, we've done uh, like right now we do them once a month. We do them at the, the last Sunday of every month. We have water baptism. And so, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 people, you, you know, whatever, 25 people. Uh, we've done where we had these all calls where it was a special day and we just and we would have like 150 people at one time get baptized. Wow. Yeah. For example, where that takes hours. It's a bit long, it's, but it's fun. It's exciting. So, we, you know, we're back and forth. What works best? What is, you know, so I, that's where we are. That's our numbers right now. Um, uh, and then our total guests for last year was 1,689 first-time guests that we could document. Uh, so far this year, we've had 1,311 first-time guests. And so that's some of that's guesstimated because a, a card may represent a single person or it may represent a family. Well, that's, that's just incredible. Just, uh, just making sure our listeners caught that. So you had just over 1,600 guests in 2018, but you had 1,463 salvations or 73 salvations. Uh, that's that's incredible. So that means that that I mean that's a big majority of your guests coming in are unchurched. Well, hopefully that's the way it, that that's how it translates. That's I mean, how else do we look at it? We 
we, we translate it as, as best that way as we can. Um, and whether those people stay, I mean, you got to consider Easter and Christmas. We have hundreds of people that come and they may be from out of town or with family and, and you may only see them that once or twice. So they may not get baptized because it might not have been that Sunday, but they right. get saved. So we're trying to figure out how to really track all of that. If you get, you know, you understand where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really good. I mean, I, that, that is, that's, uh, that's amazing. We're tracking, you know, uh, not as many salvations like that, but similar kind of ratios and, and numbers as well. And we're constantly having those conversations. And I think all of us as pastors probably are and saying, Hey, how can we get more retention? How do we get uh, more of that going on? Which is awesome. But talk to me about an, an individual, one of the, you know, one of those hundreds that, that got saved. Talk to me about someone in your church that got saved, how their life was miraculously changed. Some of that came in unchurched, wouldn't you wouldn't say is a church person or church background at all, and life changed because because of they got saved in a service. Well, I, I have three in front of me. I'll pick I picked one here. Uh, Tracy Carroll is his name, uh, African American couple, a gentleman, and uh, he, he came to the church in 2011. He said he, you know, he kind of grew up around church and what have you. He got married, lived a destructive life, partying, drinking. Marriage was on the rocks because uh, he you know, cheated on his wife. All kind of stuff. It's mm. his story. I, I'm paraphrasing. And one morning, one Sunday morning in 2011, he woke up out of the blue. He had seen us on TV. Somebody talked about us. Our church being multicultural definitely is attractive in this community because I'm white. He's African-American. And so something, he said, I woke up that morning and said, I'm going to church. And he said, his wife, like, you're going to church, you know. Well, he came, he walked in the door, and the first guy he met was a Hispanic usher who he went to high school with. Wow. And that started the journey. He came in, gave his heart to the Lord, went through our, what we call growth track or make it your church, you know, the pathway into the church, began to serve his marriage. He, he boy, got under the word of God and just in a small group. Now he serves on our stage crew. He's, it's really humbling, actually. I, I hug his neck every time I'm, if he's serving and I get to go backstage getting ready to preach, he, he carries the podium out that I'm about to deliver the word of God through or, yeah. or whoever's speaking that day. But, oh, Tracy, you know, he, so he's, he's just, he's humbled, he's honest, he's, I mean, he's on fire. He's one of the most, uh, and yet he's quiet. He's behind the scenes, but boy, he's on that stage crew, and he feels like it's the biggest honor in the world to carry that pulpit out. Wow. So that I agree because he knows somebody out there is just like him. Yeah. They got up that morning and said, "I'm going to church." And so there's kind of a, a brief flyby of Tracy. It's been an amazing journey watching him, and uh, he's invited so many people to church. And so there's one story that you know. So he's been here eight years now. He and his wife they both serve, and it's just a wonderful. Thing. Wow, that is awesome. And you you look at people like that and. That's why we do church the way we do church. I mean, that is that is awesome. That is cool. Well, from the from the first moment uh, my wife and I met uh, you and your wife, it was obvious to us that you you're very passionate about families. You're passionate about your family. You were asking us questions uh, immediately about our family. Talk to us about that passion and how you feel that translates to the church, and in particular, the importance of 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 a local church being a family yeah i think that's obviously that that language is automatic for me so we don't say join our church we, we say join the family right it's, yeah. it's, it's family is a word you're going to hear often because that's who i am uh my, naturally and you thank you 
Kelly, for your compliment. I, I accept that as a compliment. I, I love my family. We have two adult sons now that are pastors involved and their wives, my daughter in loves and Janet and I just celebrated 40 years uh, in August. Of wow. Marriage. Congratulations. <laughs> so thank you. And uh, I, I just, we call our church, our family of choice. Um, and then I get to realize in too, Kelly, that there are so many people who do not understand a healthy family. They, they've never been a part of one. They don't know what a healthy family should look like. Nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that, but I do understand that, man, family is the family dynamic is God's way. He created that. Yeah. You know, and the enemy's been trying to destroy that from the beginning of time. I mean, trying to create chaos in the family. So now we get to do ministry with our sons and our daughter-in-laws. We have seven grands. Um, you know what that's about as well. I mean, yeah. Old- well, you, t- you told me, you, I mean, you're, you're talking to your grandkids. I mean, you were with me in Canada here, and you were, you, I mean, you were saying you uh, FaceTime them every single day. I, I talk to my grandkids. Uh, the, so our oldest is 11, uh, a girl, and there's four girls, three boys. Sunday afternoon, this past Sunday after church, our youngest son, uh, Nathan, his wife, and three children were over. He has two boys and a girl. So the youngest grand is a girl. She's seven months. So I was in the swimming pool with a seven-month-old granddaughter. <laughs> Man, that's, I, I'm telling you, I'm living it. That's Nothing else matters. That's to me is the Yeah, point. that is awesome. Um, it, and it matters that our church sees what family should look like to me. I think this yeah. is huge, uh, very, very important, that, that we be an example of what it could look like to them. My parents have been married 60 years, you know, or over that, and and wow. just to see that, I mean, because it's so foreign in our world today. It's true. Uh, so what I want people to know is they can start this. They may not have had this, but they can begin this. And so uh, that's that's where I think family is so important. That's what family means to me. And, and we treat our church people like family, hugging people, kissing people. I mean, of course, that's who I am. I'm a hugger. You know, some people aren't so much, but that's me. And I think on stage, people can just feel a father's heart when you talk. Yeah. But you don't talk down to people or at people. You talk to them. Yeah. And, you know, that's really been our journey. And I think that's why people feel comfortable. They feel engaged. They feel loved because uh, we just try to be real. And, and then the flip side of this, and boy, it's very humbling for me. When you have your children and your spouse here, your, my kids, they, you know, your kids know you better than anybody. For my children, who are, of course, adults and pastors of their, in their own right now, for them to choose to love God and honor me, that all says a lot to people as well because they see that it, it's authentic. They know it's real. And, and so, yeah, so family is just important to me. You know, the first thing I'm going to ask you guys, how's your marriage doing? How are you getting along? Yeah. How's your kids? Because that—that's the thermometer of every part. I don't want to know about your ministry first. I want to know about you, and the family that God's given you. Because if that's healthy, I don't have to ask about the rest of it. Right. It'll, it'll be healthy. We can work on that. If the family's not healthy, you're, the church is going to struggle. I believe. That is so good. I, I think that's so biblical as well. It's interesting that that when uh, the early church leaders rolled out, uh, you know, the the org chart for 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 church they didn't use business terms uh they didn't use military terms even though they were under roman rule at the time they used family terms father mother sister brother uh so i i think that is awesome and and man so good this has been such such a rich content such great uh conversation 
Um, thank you so much for for sharing your heart. I mean, you can hear the Father's heart just come out of you just in, in as you respond to that, and I love it. And your heart for the church and your heart for the lost. Uh, it's amazing. Is there anything that I should have asked but didn't get to? Well, it's interesting that when you asked me that question and you know, prepared me ahead of time to think about that, the first thing I went to is uh, uh, work to make your marriage strong mm. and let church know how much you love your spouse from the stage uh when you're speaking show honor have fun i do that often so it kind of relates to what we were just talking about but yeah. i think people feel very assured and confident and they feel they feel safe again when they know that my marriage is strong and janet and i are loving each other and you know i don't pick on I mean, we have fun picking on each other from the stage but not in a cruel or yeah uh, undermining way. You understand what I mean? But just having some fun. And I tell people when I first met Janet, it was like our third date. I invited her to marry, I asked her to marry me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she said, no. <laughs> and then I say, but a few months she, uh, later, she can crawl it back. You, you know, something <laughs> like that. Just having fun. But you talk about it like that, but here we are 40 years later. I mean, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think if anything you didn't ask, I would tell leaders is be honest, be real, be authentic. I, no, don't let let the stage be a therapy session. I don't mean that. Yeah. Your pulpit's not your therapy session. But people need to know that you're a real person. And so, yeah, you, something you didn't ask me about, that's something I would say. Talk about your family. The people want to know. If they get a peek inside of your life, they think, well, he may know something that can help me. That is so good. And that's really a part of, I mean, that kind of focus is really a part of what you talked about earlier about cr- creating a place to belong first um, before people can believe in and become. And I, I think that is, that's, one big way to do that is is to show them uh, family, show them marriage, strong marriage. Man, this has been so good. And I know there's pastors listening and leaders listening who would love to to learn more about you, your ministry, kind of follow what's going on. So where can where can our listeners connect with you online? Thank you, Kelly. Well, we are Skybreak Church in College Station, Texas. So online, it's uh, skybreakchurch.com, of course, or the Skybreak app we have that available if you go to the app store on social media twitter and instagram it's it's uh, at danny h green uh and the same basically for facebook it's danny green so yeah uh we'd love to help anybody to communicate uh, uh however we can and it's been a real treat for you to ask me thank you i'm really humbled you invited me to do this well thank you so much pastor danny for for coming on air with us and and uh for sharing uh, your heart and what you guys are doing in ministry and it it really is impressive and quite uh quite something to see and we're cheering you on we're excited so thank you so much for adding uh to our program my pleasure thank you Welcome back. What a great conversation again with Pastor Danny awesome. Green. Just awesome. Oh, man, so much rich content again. What what was mm-hmm. what stood out to you? What was your big takeaway? I didn't say this directly, but just talking about making the church a relational church. And I'll, often it's really easy, like you say, a lot of time to get insider focus. But we're finding like even it's just as much effort in reaching the lost as it is to put into the people to get their perspective on the lost that are coming into church and not making about themselves, but it's, it's building a family within this, this thing. Yeah, it's so true. I love his priority of, of making a place to belong first. Yeah. That is so, so good. That's a big challenge for me as a leader. Always. I I like systems. I like, you know, (laughs) leading in systems and details and, and behind the scenes. And then often 
forget or neglect <laughs> the idea that, hey, the church is about people yeah. and it's about relationship first. Jesus led with relationship first. Right. The early church led with relationship first. And that is so, so valuable. So I'm challenged, I'm really challenged Me by too. that whole idea of, of putting relationship first and making a place to belong first. Man, so, so good. I hope you got as much out of it as we did. Uh, an amazing, again, podcast with great content. So yeah. we've got more coming. We're excited about it. So, so where, do people, where do people join with us and subscribe and, and all the rest of it, join the conversation at GoCast? Yeah, sure. You can go to iTunes and subscribe to the GoCast network, or you can go to the website at gocast.ca. That's right. And you can also join with us on Facebook or on Instagram and join the conversation there. Weigh in. We'd love to hear from you mm -hmm. and your ideas and what you've got going on and celebrate you. We want to create a community that is really based around this whole idea of soul winning. We're trying to create a movement yeah. that is uh, soul winning churches. And if you are having success and things are working for you, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to have questions that you'd love answered, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, join in the conversation. Well, next week, we are going to continue on with Pastor Danny. We're going to invite his son to join us. We're going to do a podcast with both Danny and Nathan, his son, because they have an amazing story. They have been working on a 15-year, get this, a 15-year oh succession plan. <laughs> That's a long 15 time. 15 years, man. I can't yeah. think 15 weeks, but I mean, <laughs> 15 years. And, and so we talk about that whole idea and how they've made it work. And so without further ado, here's a snippet from my conversation with Pastor Danny and Nathan Green. So I, from, the, from a front row seat, I've watched a generation ahead of us, in my opinion, not in my opinion, didn't know how to transition well. Mm. And so their pulpit was their identity. And so I told Janet when I was 49, I'm 59 today, I was rolling into my 50th birthday. I said, we got to get this right. We're going to start right now. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I think we got 15 years to make, to make the journey. So we're going to start and we're going to, I don't want it to be drastic. I want it to be smooth. And so I felt like it's like three five-year windows. And I can't say this is a real well-thought-out strategy, but there's going to be five years of training that we need to do. Really just be intentional about training. Don't assume anything. Then there's going to be a second five years of, of us doing this together. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're, we're going to do this together, hand in hand. And then there's going to be five years of affirmation, five years wow. just showing support, being on the front row and like, go, go, go. You're the man. And let the church see me support the new leader 100%. Not just, you know, hey, it's your, here's the church and then I'm gone. Well, it's going to be great. Can't wait for the next episode with Pastor Danny and Nathan Green. Thank you so much for joining us again at GoCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.